0: What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fitness Stuff for Normal People podcast. I'm Mariana. And I'm Tony. And the fitness industry right now is not what it could be. It's become something built on unrealistic expectations, aesthetics, and external validation, directing attention away from what actually matters. The bottom line is we're not trying to provide just another fitness podcast, but completely change the fitness industry by giving you the knowledge and tools so you have confidence in applying the best possible training and nutrition into your own lives where today we are talking about the science of goal setting. Because one thing is absolutely certain in life, and it's that you cannot get something you do not aim at. This is honestly one of the single most important topics we have talked about in the history of this podcast, so it cannot go unnoticed. More specifically, today we'll be discussing the science behind goal setting and how it promotes motivation and long-term success why people commonly fail to achieve their goals and a five-step outline of exactly how to set your goals that give you a high chance of actually achieving that. Before we get into it, if you want to support us, the easiest way to do so is go leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. You can also give us a follow on Maybe. Spotify and that to. will update you whenever we launch a new podcast on Mondays.
1: You better hit that follow button. Next week's our 100th episode <laughs> and you can't miss the 100th freaking episode of Fitness no, Talk Podcast. Can't. Still blows my mind. But if you want to get more after each episode, join us over on premium for just five bucks a month, where you get bonus episodes every single Friday, where we answer your questions for training routines and programs like our high frequency full body training program along with the ultimate push pull leg and all the mobility programs we just dropped a few weeks back you also get other sick perks like weekly Legion giveaways exclusive discounts and much much more sign up for that is down in the show notes below and quick shout out to the sponsor of today's videos our day one homies our PICs legion athletics which we got two things to shout out for legion real quick one is they're kind of throwing an insane holiday sale right now for the end of the year, up to 40% off on all supplements. So if you want to stock up or if you're like me and you like to give the gift of health, I get protein for so many of my gifts for like family members and stuff like that. It's not even funny, but they also just launched a new product in the pump surge, which I know Mariana goes crazy about the pump. This is a pump specific product that you're supposed to stack on top of their pre-workout Pulse, it's got 4.3 grams of different studied nitric oxide boosters that you're stacking on top of the Pulse pre-workout, which already has eight grams of L-citrulline malate. The pumps are going to be insane. The pump is that blood flow that just almost erupts your muscles with firmness and tightness when you're training the buildup of blood in your muscle. And this is not just for a mirror or an ego thing. I think everyone likes the look of a good pump, but the pump does actually aid in muscle growth in a few different ways. First, the increase in blood flow actually increases the amount of nutrients that are delivered to the muscle to help you with muscle growth and repair. The cell swelling also triggers an anabolic signal that we've heard of before, muscle protein synthesis. And it also increases metabolic stress, which if you listened to our episode a few weeks back, we talked about the main drivers of muscle growth or hypertrophy. Mechanical tension is by far the biggest and most important, but number two is something called metabolic stress. These stress signals signal to the body that it needs to adapt by strengthening and enlarging muscle fibers. So that's the goal of this pump pre-workout stack and it's on sale for holidays. If you want to check it out, you can use the code FSPOD that's FSPOD for 20% off your first order. We also put the link down there in the show notes. I know Mariana's chasing the pump every freaking workout. She's a pump chaser. i
0: obsessed with it. It's really all I talk about. It's the first thing I bring up every time we meet.
1: <laughs> like we start recording after like an hour. And I'm like, dude, stop talking about the pump you got last night at the gym. We got to record. Crazy. We got things to do. It's absolutely insane. But no joke. This is perfect timing. Talking about goal setting coming up to the mm-hmm. new year. But seriously, this I can't think of a more almost important episode that we've done in the 99 episodes that we've now gone through. If you don't have this, you don't have anything. You know.
0: No. And we've talked about the importance of goal setting before, just grazed over it. And I cannot believe we haven't done this sooner. And I think it just goes to show, I think I take it for granted sometimes, but it's definitely not talked about enough just in general in the health and fitness space, which is strange to me because without it, you get nowhere really at all. And it's a common Seriously. hurdle as to why people are not successful because your goals suck and it's not personal.
1: And it's one of those things I think people know is important, but no one ever goes deep enough into like, okay, how do you do it? Yeah. Everyone talks about and knows, yeah, goals are important. We get that. You got to aim at something to get there, obviously. But how do you actually do it? Because I would say, mm-hmm. I would almost argue 95 plus percent of people, I don't think do. Like when I talk to people coming in that want to work with me one-on-one for coaching and I'm talking about this. Almost nobody has actually firmly outlined their goals or at least made yeah. them very clear at all. So it's super interesting with something so important with how little attention it's given. Just some trivia to see say. how on spot you are with uh, the population. So just some quick stats and then I'm going to ask you some questions here. The average person spends about 50 to to $100 a month on supplements. They only spend an average of about 30 to $60 a month on gym memberships. Now, out of all gym memberships in the entire United States, this is where I collected the data from, about one of five of them start in January. One of five of them start in January, the new year coming up. So I have two questions. What percentage of people who start in January are done with the gym by the end of February?
0: Oh, by the end of February, only two months. Oh my goodness. I'm trying to think of January at my gym versus February.
1: And this isn't just not goes as frequently, but this is done. Like, will not use the gym membership again or cancels.
0: 45% of people?
1: Only 20%. But still, one in five Um, will not use the gym after February. One in five will not step foot in the gym after February. What percentage of those gym memberships are canceled by the end of May? This is the largest drop-off, so five months in.
0: 50%?
1: 80%.
0: Oh my God.
1: 80%. 80% of the gym memberships started in January, just five months into it. And I would say a lot of that's probably to do with lack of clear goal setting, what we're going to talk about today. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But I thought that was interesting. 80% of those gym memberships started in January. But what we want to do today is really dive deep on the structure of how we can actually set these goals to give you a better probability of succeeding. Because I didn't really... Mm -hmm know how to communicate this before, but I was digging deeper on goal-setting theory. It was developed by just some psychologists, Edwin Locke and Gary Latham. It's a theory that explores the relationship between how specific your goal is, how difficult it is, and then how you actually perform or the odds that you actually succeed at that goal. So a lot of people, I think, don't realize how massive even just that first step of setting the goal does to predict whether or not they actually finish it before you even take the first step, before you sign up to a gym, before you meal prep for the first time, that is the first step that if you don't do this right, everything else almost goes to waste. So we want to break down the actual science of goal setting of what's going on in the brain, what things matter. We also want to highlight a lot of areas where most people are making their mistakes that lead to them ultimately not getting to it. And then we have five steps that we put together that I really recommend you to do. Take the time to write down to work through each step so you can really build a bulletproof set of goals. This is something that Mariana and I do each year with the business, but you can do on different avenues as well. And we actually have a worksheet that we are sending out to our premium members this week as well. So if you're an FS premium for that five bucks a month, we're gonna send you that actual worksheet to download, fill out, and work on. But the interesting pieces about goal setting theory, is it helps lead us to be able to set goals with the right specificity, the right amount of challenge, along with the right feedback, to ultimately enhance our motivation and performance in getting to that goal. Because I know motivation is probably one of the reasons why most of those gym memberships fail because you're super motivated to start out the year. I know this is probably one of the most gripes with most people is where do I find motivation after a long time? Because you know that your goals are gonna take a long time to get there. And I wanna tell a story about the zone of proximal development which I know I've talked about a handful of times on here. I obsess with it. I talk to every single client about it, and I think it's gonna draw a parallel because it was originally discovered, it was by this Russian psychologist, I think Lev Voyevsky in the 60s or 70s, but it's a theory of learning and development. So it's not directly related to goal setting, but I'm gonna tie it there in just a minute. But Lev Vygotsky, he specifically noticed this phenomenon when studying how parents talk down to their children and how children learn how to speak and build their language database. But he noticed when speaking to a child, an adult doesn't speak directly down to the child's current level of comprehension. Meaning if you're talking to a five-year-old, you don't just start talking exactly like a five-year-old does. Because if you do that, you're not giving the child anything new. It's not learning anything it doesn't already know. It can already handle 100% of what you're throwing at it. So it has no way of advancing past its current level of speech. It would talk like a five-year-old forever. But he also noticed that the adults don't speak to the child directly at an adult's level of speech either. Using new words, grammatical structures, different styles of speech the child has never heard before and is completely unfamiliar with, where it could maybe handle five to ten percent of what is being thrown at it. And that's so far out of reach that there's nothing to grab onto and start putting things together. So again, the child would never learn how to speak past a five-year-old's level. He noticed that adults subconsciously speak down and auto-adjust their level of speech to that just outside of the current level of speech for that child. So not too far, not too close. So if you're talking to a five-year-old, you naturally just start talking to them with an eight to 10-year-old level of speech. And this gives the child little hints and cues in a more supportive structure, allowing it to piece together new parts of language that it couldn't have done before. And the same exact thing matters. When it comes to how you set your goals in the gym, you need a goal that's big enough to the point where it requires you to change and adapt in order to accomplish it, to get stronger, to change your composition, whatever it might be. But the distance from the goal can't be so massive that it absolutely crushes you. If I just said, I'm going to run a marathon next month after, I don't even know, honestly, last time I ran one mile straight, so far away that it absolutely crushes you. So that's the zone of proximal development. I think where it ties into goal setting, but that's where I see so many people when they're basing what they want or where they want to aim at, they don't take the real time to think where are, where am I right now? What's realistic? What's unrealistic? What can I already handle? Do you see that a lot? Cause I feel like I see that often.
0: Yeah. And this isn't an insult. It's almost this level of mindful delusion, I think, with a lot of people that some goals may sound so crazy, but it's like, you know what, why not? Like, why not just make it crazy? Not thinking about the repercussions of that. I've never been to the gym before, but I want to start going six days a week. I'm just going to go all in. That might sound crazy, but I'm just going to do it because I'm motivated right now. And nothing beyond that. Not really thinking about how Setting a goal like that is so not going to allow you to achieve anything long term.
1: Yeah. Like setting a goal too big can be dangerous, but honestly as dangerous as setting a goal too small. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's really hard to find out like where is that line? Like what's too small? What can I already handle to where it's not even motivating me to move forward? Yeah. But also what's too far, what's out of reach. And I think a lot of time we'll talk about how we're setting these and how we're choosing these. Cause I do think a lot of times people use comparison in a good way. It can be done in a good way or a bad way, but they're setting goals based on what someone else might want to be setting their goals for, not what they should be setting their goals for. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But we can't have a conversation about motivation without dope. Let's just be real right here. You're not, I'm not a neuroscientist. Let's make that real clear off the bat. This is something that's extremely complex, but I think it's important to at least understand so you can know why certain things are happening or what maybe some problem areas might be. Because dopamine, at least how, when I was growing up, you were almost taught that dopamine was a molecule that gave you pleasure. But over the past few decades, we've learned more that it's actually a molecule of motivation, not necessarily pleasure. And there's been plenty of research done on rodents, on humans in motivation, but these two I think were super interesting that we can tie to how specific we need to really get in our goal setting. And this particular piece of research, it looked at rodent data because in rodents, you can actually control and block dopamine in their brains, where in humans, you can't quite really do that. You can look at different settings where it might be more or less present, but you can't block dopamine production in the brain. And in this specific piece of research, you have two rats and you put them in separate cages and you provide each of the rats with something that they can pursue that provides them pleasure, like food, like mating a little heat lamp, if it's a cold environment, or a cooler area, if it's a hot environment, and they will always seek out and pursue the rewarding behavior or that pleasurable behavior. Whether it's right in front of them through a maze or any obstacle that's in its way, it will generally work pretty hard at getting wherever that pleasure is. Now, when you take one of those rats and you deplete its dopamine using a substance that basically blocks dopamine in the brain in rodents, what you find is that these rats can still enjoy pleasure they still enjoy eating mating heat if it is directly given to them this is what blows my mind a little bit the motivation almost disappears when there is any sort of effort between where they are and achieving that pleasure it disappears they find that these rats won't even move inches away to achieve the pleasure because it's just outside of its reach and that blows my absolute mind because they can still feel pleasure. They still get pleasure out of these things, but dopamine is what drives you to do anything. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why it's important to have a basic understanding of how that functions in goal setting, because that plays a pretty important role. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Yeah, I think so. I just think about how my ADHD self, just sometimes the most basic things that he, something so easy that just takes a little bit of effort, like even just composing an email. Like I know exactly what to write. Like I'm trying to – I just – there's the answers within reach. I need something from someone. But for some reason, the composing the email is so difficult I can't do it. Like that, that, that 10 initiation. seconds of effort
1: feels yeah. like it's a mile away and you have to carry like a 50-pound yeah. backpack to get there. Yeah. I'm like, it's damn, insane. these
0: rats are so relatable right now. These rats. <laughs>
1: I feel you. I feel you, my rat brothers. But basically, like a basic understanding of dopamine that I think is all you need to understand today is that it gets released when you're moving closer to your goal. If you want that dopamine, it gets released when you are moving closer to a goal, when you are clearly taking a step closer. Now, here's the thing I think where most people start with the problem. Most people aren't clear in what their goal actually is or why they actually want to achieve it at all. And if you don't know that, you're going to struggle with motivation or dopamine because even when you do take action, if you go to the gym, whatever, it's not really clear to your brain whether or not you're moving closer or further to something because your brain doesn't know what something is because you haven't taken the time to actually define what it is. That's where I'm I'm seeing the biggest problem with motivation is if you set a very clear and specific goal and you can then break down and break apart the day-to-day, week-to-week and month-to-month pieces of getting there. And you're confident that if you go to the gym and do X, Y, or Z today, that you will be closer to the goal that you set. Motivation isn't usually a problem. It's, it's when people lack that confidence. They don't really understand like, I think it's getting me closer there, but I don't really know. That's because they don't really know where they're going in the first place. That's the big issue I see with this. I got to call myself out sometimes on lack of clarity and goals.
0: Oh. Yeah, everyone, you fall victim to it in so many places in life. In
1: examples, because I think people don't fully grasp like clear versus fuzzy goal setting, but you need to know exactly what your goal is, why you are working towards it, and then you actually need to value it. So an example I I like to use between a fuzzy and a clear goal is a fuzzy goal is kind of the stuff that we were talking about at the beginning of this episode. I want to get in better shape and I want to lose weight. Those are extremely fuzzy goals, extremely fuzzy goals. A clear goal would sound something like this I want to lose 10 pounds of fat in the next three months while holding onto my lean body mass and muscle, while increasing my strength in squats, deadlifts, and hip thrusts. That would be a definition of a clear goal. We know exactly what they want to do, when they want to do it by, what they're valuing in those different pieces. So in the clear goal, we can now easily calculate out exactly what kind of calorie deficit that person needs to be in to lose 10 pounds over the next 12 weeks. We can figure out exactly what one day of eating would look like for that, what kinds of meals, what kind of snacks, everything else in that specific day. And we know they want to hold on to lean body mass to appear more lean and defined. And they also want to get stronger in specific exercises. So we know exactly how to set up their macros and protein intake. We know exactly how to set up their training program. We know exactly how to progress it. For those specific exercises to support the goal of losing fat and not muscle. So if you're confident in doing what you're doing, you know all of this now because you have a specific goal in mind. It's so easy to to get motivated because you know that going in today and doing these things, checking off these boxes is getting you closer to that. But if your goal right now is I want to lose some weight or I just want to lose 20 pounds or whatever it might be, that's too fuzzy. You can't draw anything. Of what you no. need, what do you need to do today if your goal is fuzzy? You don't know. And I think there's a big reason why a lot of people inadvertently set fuzzy goals instead of clear goals. And that's because when you set a clear goal, you're defining exactly what success looks like. You define exactly what success looks like. In a fuzzy goal, you don't. And when you define exactly what success looks like, what you're also doing is you're defining exactly what failure looks like. And that's scary. Failure is painful. People generally want to avoid Pain. So it's usually easier to set fuzzy goals because they don't really specify conditions for failure. There's no real way to tell whether or not this week supported you getting closer to your fuzzy goal or not because it's so fuzzy. Where a clear goal is going to outline, hey, you didn't hit your calorie goal today. That's a failure. Or hey, you missed two out of your four workouts this week. Okay. We did not take a step closer to our goal. You fell Mm -hmm. short again, six out of seven days on your protein goal. That's a failure. It's not comfortable to define Uh what failure is.
0: And what's interesting too is that with these more broad, fuzzy goals, you can prolong the failure versus if it's specific on a day-to-day basis, being able to see that I have this protein goal that I didn't hit. You could see that every day versus I want to lose weight this year. Every yeah. month, you could just push it back.
1: Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, oh, back. the year's not over this yet. It's
0: February. Yeah. And, and you don't see that. Again, I really want to remove this negative connotation with failure because failure is- yeah. Inevitable. We've talked about that before. It's an inevitable part of your health, fitness, weight loss journey. So it's not a marker of you being a failure, but being able to see, oh, two days in a row, I did not hit my protein goal. Now I can get into solution mode. What can I do to make sure Mm -hmm. I hit that? Why didn't I do that? So that failure is good. It's informing you because you're a human. You're not going to be perfect all the time. It's just not going to happen.
1: Yeah. Okay. Cause we're going to talk about how exactly to incorporate feedback and adaptability because failure is a good thing. It's super mm-hmm. uncomfortable because you don't want to admit to yourself that you are a failure or you failed at something, but it's a really good thing. It's a necessary thing if you actually want to make it there. Now, the next piece that we've talked about before a little bit here and there is the why you need to mm-hmm. value this goal. So not only do you need to set something specific and this is where if you're cool enough and part of the 5% that actually sets a specific enough goal, the next big piece that I've, I, I see kind of take people blindsided is they don't know if they actually value it. Like you need to actually value the goal you're trying to achieve, your why. So not just the clear versus fuzzy, but do you value it? And I know a good example here, we just talked about how to get at abs last week in our podcast. You can have two different people who have a very specific goal of achieving a six pack. Let's say if someone wants a six-pack and you ask them why, and they say, okay, they want a six-pack because C-bum on social media, someone on social media has one that looks cool and you want to look like that. And that's your reason for why you want a six-pack. Every time I see C-bum, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't hate that if that was on me. Versus though, you can tell that someone really values something if you say, okay, why do you want a six-pack? And they say, okay, I'm aiming at a six-pack because I know if I'm able to accomplish that big of a challenge, because it's hard to do. It also means that I'm one hell of a strong person, physically, mentally, and that's the type of person that I'm trying to be in this world, showing up for my family, my business, my kids. I wanna be someone strong. And working to achieve a six pack is undeniable proof that I am a physically and mentally strong person. You gotta be mentally strong to stick to the diet, to push through the hunger, to push through all the challenges. And that would really mean a lot to someone. That's someone who values that goal. They actually Mm -hmm. really want that goal versus, oh, because I think it'd look cool. And not saying yeah. that person doesn't maybe deep down value it, but they don't even really know why. Yeah. And that's the same thing. Your brain needs to know that it's important to actually give you some motivation, to give you that feedback, mm-hmm. to push you forward. And that's something I still struggle with to this day, but I struggled with when I started my business, when I was deciding what to do with my life, with anything, is getting deep down on the freaking why. Why is tough.
0: I remember my old job before I quit. Just thinking about how I wanted to get promoted to a manager level, but I was performing not great. I was not performing in a way that would get me there. And I'd think about like, why I actually don't care about this. I just want it because I want to get promoted because everyone else did, but I don't care about any of this. I don't care at all versus I want to quit my job and start my own business and work for myself. Why? Because I work better under conditions where I am choosing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm more productive. It is more enjoyable for me. I could see more long-term success. It's going to benefit all of my qualities that I enjoy about myself and I think I'm good at. I could rattle it on and on and on. And so I was like, that's actually what I should be pushing towards. What I can do to, to quit my job and set myself up for success there versus trying to get promoted in a job that I hate and does not serve me at all.
1: Yeah, Might it, be a good but it's goal hard to, for
0: some people, but not for me type of thing.
1: And that's an uncomfortable conversation to have with yourself, really questioning yourself. We included this on the worksheet, the goal setting worksheet for the premium members. I know it's been iterated, I think many, many times past this, but like the origin of this was called the five whys exercise. It was created so long ago by the founder of Toyota, the car company, but it's, yeah. it, this is one of the most useful tools that I use probably on a monthly basis, at least. It's one of the most important tools I think you can implement into your workshop immediately. And it's just a process of essentially being a freaking third grader, like you're being a third grader. It just involves repeatedly asking the question why to a problem or statement to drill down the actual root cause or fundamental belief underlying that issue. So the idea is that by the time you ask the fifth why, you'll actually find the why or the truth or the reason behind the initial thought or problem. So an example that we can take outside of fitness is in personal development context. So let's say that you have an initial thought. You're sitting there and you're like, you know what? I'm hesitant to apply for this new job. That would be your initial thought that you want to start asking why. Be a third grader. I'm hesitant to apply for a new job. Why? Because I'm not really sure I'll get it. Why? Because I don't really know if I'm qualified, I guess. Why? Because I guess I'm not super confident in my skills now that I think about it. Why? Why are you not confident in your skills? Oh, maybe because I've never really tried to challenge myself in my current role. And you're like, oh, that sinks. Maybe that's the real reason why. So you actually have a firm understanding. And this is such an important tool because sometimes like, for the person in the six pack, for example, like the guy who just wanted it because it looks cool, he might do this and actually figure out a way deeper reason of why he actually wants to do this, or he might go the opposite direction and figure out, oh, I don't actually want this yeah. and what comes with it. It's mm-hmm. a super helpful tool though, because if you just sit there and you don't know why and you don't know your, like if you value it or not, I promise you, you'll be sitting in the same exact spot a year from now and a year from then and a year from then, because you'll never truly understand why. And I, that's uh, uncomfortable. Even giving that example, I is, got the chills because it's uncomfortable.
0: It, it is uncomfortable. I started using this in the context of things I didn't want to do when I was in recovery for my eating disorder. My therapist first brought this up of, okay, how am I going to get myself to eat more meals regularly? That was the broader goal is I want to eat regularly, even though I didn't completely believe it yet. I did genuinely want that for myself But I wasn't at a point where I had the most self-confidence. So the why can really Really? build your self-confidence. So it's when I was struggling to sit down for a meal, my first thought is I need to eat three three meals a day. That's what I want to do. I should be eating three meals a day. And the thing is, why? I have no energy when I don't. Why? Because when I have no energy, like I'm a shell of a human and I'm not present in my life. When I'm not present in my life because I'm not eating food and I'm a shell of a human, my relationships suffer. And That's this is a different context in a different way of looking at the why. But when you start to think about all the repercussions of a behavior, if you don't engage in it, sometimes that can be so helpful. I'm like reminding myself of, okay, maybe I felt like this meal wasn't that important and I could just skip it. But actually, once I'm going through my why, it is so important for me to eat this meal right now. And it sounds cliche, but with those mental exercises, with something that is just comes so ingrained in your brain to undo a thought process, that can be really helpful.
1: Yeah, I, I think you nailed it, a thought I didn't even think about, but confidence. When it comes straight mm-hmm. up to confidence, I lacked yeah. confidence a lot growing up, a lot. Like until my like late, I mean, honestly, I'm in my mid to late 20s now, until like a few years ago, but extremely lacked it. And I think that's a big reason is why you're just doing things, but you don't know why. They don't have to be good things or bad things, but if you don't know why you're doing them, it's really hard to be and show up as a confident person.
0: Yeah. What was it? Was
1: it a, that just reminded me, was, is it a Nisha quote? He who has a why can bear almost anyhow. That's really worth How thinking How do you just about.
0: remember these quotes blows my mind.
1: Because <laughs> I just, now that I live alone, I moved out with my roommate. I'll just watch like lectures online for you, like eating dinner get, on YouTube. It's, it's a super fun, exhilarating life. But that's a thought that's really worth exploring. Because if you really are confident in your why, and it means a, Ton to you. Like next time you're waking up, if you're going to the gym at five in the morning and the alarm goes off and you're tired, when it's choosing between sleeping in and a fuzzy goal that you don't really know why you're doing it, you're going to choose sleeping in 10 times out of 10. Yeah. But if you compare sleeping in a little bit to like, oh, I'm going to have better relationships with my husband or wife. I'm going to show up and perform better at work. I'm probably going to be a way more fun person to be around. I'm not going to be depressed. I'll be happy. Oh my God, I'm going to get up out of bed and jump out of bed. Having that why can be so stinking important, so stinking important. I'm just (laughs) aging myself here, but it's huge. Like, it's absolutely huge. Like setting your why. And I think, so that's the, I think the most two important parts of almost the science of setting it is one, you need to be specific. And then two is you need to know why you're doing what you're doing or why you're aiming at it. And it needs to be something that you actually value. Not that society wants you to value, not your family, not your friends, not whatever that you value. And you know why that's huge. That's huge. And that kind of leads us in because we want to talk about, right. Some different things, but okay. Then it leads us right into it of why most people fail at reaching their goals or the goals that they set, Mm -hmm. because that's a big piece again. Like I've seen a lot of people who are really good goal setters not get to where they want to go. And there's a lot of reasons that fall in front of that, like almost too many to list sometimes. What do you think the, the biggest one is that you see?
0: I honestly don't think I could say it's the biggest. I don't know because it depends on the person. But what I think about so often is a goal being too vague. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: this is the first one that came into my head because I actually have a personal very recent example. And it shows there's nothing to be ashamed about if you don't achieve your goals, if you try to find a solution to it. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes you just may not be doing something and you're kind of like, shoot, This is frustrating, but if you start to look at the flaws in it, it can be really helpful for changing that. So with vague goals, it can really, sometimes you could really value it. You could really value that goal, but it just not being specific enough is not enough for you to execute it. So for me specifically, me and Tony, this is an example. We try to post each week, Tony posts each week for clips on social media That's a goal of mine. I'm supposed to be involved in that, right? Posting a clip each week. Yeah, I know in the back of my head, I'm supposed to (coughs) once a week post this clip. And I know that. I want to do that. I value it. I value it for our business and company. I have this shame when I don't do it. And my brain is still just the next week, I will forget again until Tony reminds me. Now we sat down, said, uh, okay, Mariana, on Wednesdays, you have to post. Okay, on Mondays, I'm going to make clips. Something that simple for my brain, just made it so much easier to see myself being able to do it. I have this timeline. I have a little bit of pressure on myself. I know when it needs to happen in my calendar laid out. And it's so stupidly simple, but for me, I needed it and didn't really realize that that was the gap there of not having something specific enough. It's
1: like small things like that. Yeah. Like just one little tiny step further. The big piece, where is it? Dang it. I don't have it next to me. Have you seen that little timer that I got on Amazon? It's like a little circle timer and you just twist it. It's very aesthetic. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. My monkey brain will just get distracted if I'm doing client check-ins for eight hours in a day. My brain mm-hmm. will just start to wander. I'll go to Instagram, I'll go whatever. And there's this little stupid timer. It's like 15 bucks on Amazon and you just twist it and you time it up to like, I'll do 30 minute increments. And I'll hit start. And it's just a countdown timer for 30 minutes right there that yeah. I can clearly see. And every time I'm about to wander, I look at the clock and I'm like, seven minutes. Oh, can't do it. It just brings you right back to it. Like having a little bit of structure there. So I think that would honestly be the biggest one is the stuff that we just talked about of why people don't set is they're vague, right? They're vague. Now, I think the next biggest piece, and we're going to actually address this in the five steps of setting your goals here next, is you might be able to set a very clear, very specific goal, and it might mean a lot to you, but the lack of adaptability or being non-solution oriented will take out the best of the best of the best right we're going to talk about how much adaptability matters cuz i talk about this with clients we talk about this on the podcast we can build initially the perfect chef's kiss plan <laughs> a right we know your goals we're specific we know what your life looks like for the most part we've taken everything into account here's we wrote it out here's the plan for the next month the perfect plan a i think everyone knows this how often does plan a go according to plan when life doesn't. when you actually do it it doesn't right it does Very not So if you only have a plan A, the most specific goal, the most everything, but you don't know how to adapt, and we're going to talk about how to do that next and where to set this up, what it actually looks like, you're just going to be spinning the same wheels over and over. I would say after vague goals, that's the next step I see is the biggest thing where where people are falling through is that sometimes it comes down to accountability, but the adaptability aspect of being able to change and move forward because you're going to fail a lot. That's certain. But how do you handle those? Mm -hmm. And that's going to be something that I struggle with for a while, but we actually have some cool tricks to address. Those are two big ones. What else?
0: And I think that flows nicely into the next one is sometimes people aren't able to adapt because they aren't really honest or transparent about where they're at and what's realistic in their lives. So this can go throughout the process of setting goals. Like maybe you were, you could have been honest when you made them, but you start to execute them and realize, oh, shoot, like, this is not realistic for me. I, I need to be honest with myself here. I can't do this. And then you also see it when you're making the goal. Sometimes people avoid reality a bit, their reality, what's realistic for them. You really have to be honest with yourself of, can I actually do this? And it shouldn't Reflect negatively upon you if a goal is too big or too far within reach. And for someone else, it isn't because it doesn't matter about anyone else. And I think that just really sitting down, being honest with yourself, start to visualize yourself doing something. Sometimes it's just not realistic for you. And that's so helpful to catch that in the beginning, but also throughout. Sometimes you're just going to have to, again, adapt, change because shoot, right now, this is not realistic.
1: Honestly, this has me even thinking about, because a lot of people, they set their goals without being transparent to who they are and where they are. Mm -hmm. And they set them off of comparing themselves to someone else, which we've talked about comparison. It can be a really good thing or a really, really harmful thing, really harmful, like toxic thing. Comparison, Mm -hmm. right? Like you need comparison somewhere to like choose where you want to go. But like after a certain age, I started to notice, you really have to stop comparing yourself to someone else. Because like the particulars of your life, as you like, start to grow out from your where you grew up and you start to grow away from your family, things like that, they're so individual to you that there really isn't cheesy Disney moment, but there really isn't anyone else out there quite like you, you start mm-hmm. to notice because the details of your life, they happen to matter, right? Like the details of where you live, who you live with, what time you wake up, like these things actually matter, but it's still a lot of people, they'll compare themselves to like a rock star, right? Someone rich, famous, attractive but not realize, oh, they're also an alcoholic. They do too much cocaine and they've had three divorces. But Mm -hmm. that's who they're setting and comparing their goals up next to. So it's like, how the hell do you make sense of of that? Are you really gonna say you should judge yourself harshly against that person? Mm -hmm. Because that doesn't really make sense. But honestly, the answer is you don't know because you don't really know that person either. Even the small things you might know on the service. But here's the big piece that gets me is you don't know the details of your life. So who the hell do you know that you can compare yourself to? That's easy. You. Mm-hmm. Who's the one person that you actually know the details of their life? You. That's really it. Marianne and I, we text throughout the week. We are face-to-face two times a week. We spend a lot of time together. Really, we probably each know like the tip of the iceberg for each of us. So it wouldn't really make sense to compare myself to her or her to compare herself to me because even though I know her pretty well, compared to how well I know myself is nothing. So that's why it makes sense to set goals for you. And I think that's an important piece that People don't really understand why the whole, like, you shouldn't compare, like, look in the mirror, compare yourself to the person you were yesterday. It sounds cheesy, but that's because that's the only person you actually have a a freaking clue of what their life looks like. That's the only person. That's the only person.
0: Who? (sighs) I think it was actually Ryan Gosling. Oh, now I can pull.
1: (laughs) It's Ryan Gosling. We can can pull out of the memory. He
0: was asked a, a question about who he's trying to be, like, It was at a panel and I was like, who are you really striving to be like right now, like in the future? What do you want? Who are you trying to be? And he said, me in 10 years. And people are like, that doesn't really make sense. And he Mm -hmm. went on to go about like, as long as I am doing everything I can to be the person in 10 years that I end up being, that means I'm focusing on the process. I'm not focusing on who I am in 10 years because what I'm, regardless what I am doing right now is still going to get me there i'm I'm going to get yeah. there, but everything I do in between matters, so in kind of the point was like value the process, but also that long term future it's it's there, it's not going anywhere, but how I get there is the most important, and it's kind of like that's you it's like all of your decisions, all of your actions that shapes you not other people. And yeah, you're still going to be you in 10 years, but who that person is, it is up to you. Like it's fully up to you, how you do it.
1: God darn it, Ryan Gosling. Attractive and but. introspective. <laughs> That's what it is. But honestly, and this is, I think it's honestly can be comforting for some people when they feel like they keep failing at their goals. Sometimes I don't think people realize how far out of reach the goals that they are setting are from where they currently at. And this is just like to get like personal. I can share this with the podcast people. It's like when I was younger, I think pretty clear on this. I was not in a great spot, right? When I dealt with depression in my early 20s, I thought I was useless. I thought I was miserable. And I kept aiming at like all these massive goals, right? I, was, I knew I wanted to be in, like entrepreneurial. And I was looking at all these people on Instagram. This was also in the 2000 teens when Instagram was like very flashy. You see people with like Lambos, watches, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm setting goals of like, I want to make a million bucks. I want to do all this. And if I really looked in and asked myself who I really was, I was like, it, it was not a positive self-image right? I was useless. I was miserable, but I kept aiming at goals so far away. And it sounds a little messed up a little bit, but once I started making goals just to be, again, one step better than who I was yesterday. Do you know how easy one step forward from someone who's useless and miserable is? So easy. Make your freaking bed. That's a step better than someone who's miserable and useless. And not saying like, there's not saying the make your bed examples. You have to make your bed every single morning. I sometimes do whatever, but If you're a miserable loser, like the bar is pretty low. And i that's what I thought of myself. So honestly, that can give comfort Mm -hmm. to where if you feel like you just have a poor self image, like literally don't feel bad for aiming what you would currently say is low. If it is forward from where you're at, do that first and watch how fast that dopamine sense is real. You start doing those things. You're like, oh, a productive person makes their bed in the morning. I'm moving closer yeah. to that than where I was. It propels you so fast and motivates. It is the quickest way I think I found for myself to change my trajectory when I was feeling real though.
0: I want to hold on to that example because it really highlights something that people do wrong a lot is they'll set negative goals. So if you think about if you are in a messy room, your bed's never made. Ugh, like the, the main driver is like, I don't want to be that piece of shit that doesn't make my bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be viewed as someone who could be taken seriously if my bed isn't mm. made or that that's what you get stuck in so when you're making your goal it's like focused on the negative oh, versus yeah. that could be a, positive.
1: a bad turn fast yeah yeah if i'm sitting there and i'm like instead of saying okay what is a product I, i'm useless I'm, I'm whatever i procrastinate i want to be what does a productive person do you oh, know they probably make their bed in the morning I'll try that because I'm aiming towards being productive instead of like, oh, I'm a useless piece of crap. Might as well just make, yeah, that that can take a real negative turn, I feel
0: like. Yeah, and there's a fine line between a positive and a negative goal. But some other examples are like, if say you want to eat healthier, but your goal is that you're never going to eat junk food again. That can still be a negative goal because you're just focusing Mm. on the behavior that you don't like. One, this is super vague and it's Mm. unrealistic, but it's also like, Instead of, I'm going to make sure I eat a veg- two, two to three vegetables at lunch and dinner five days a week. That framing mm. in your brain, you're not repeating this negative behavior of eating junk food that you're trying to not do. If that is the goal, you're constantly thinking about junk food. It's more of the psychological aspect of how that makes you're phrasing it and sense. what you're focusing on. Yeah.
1: It's like the person who's always worried about like tripping and falling on a crack in the sidewalk. It's like, okay, I I just need to not do that and that's all they can focus on until they actually trip on the crack in the sidewalk because that's Mm -hmm. all you're focused on is doing that. I like that framing because, okay, I I never thought about it like that, but I knew framing Mm -hmm. was important, but even how that, yeah, Yeah. what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on Mm -hmm. not being a piece of crap or are you focusing on being more productive or whatever your goal might be?
0: Yeah, That framing
1: piece is actually huge.
0: Yeah. Huge. It, it can go a long way too. Not getting stuck in your head.
1: Yeah. So I think the big things that get in most people's way, not to be vague about it, but is being too vague, not being clear on whatever goal you are setting. Not having a sense of adaptability or actually changing your plan once you start it. And then three, which honestly, after we talked about that, might, I would almost rank it as number one or two, is not dealing with reality. Dealing with something in your head, not dealing very Mm -hmm. transparent or truthful or honest, but dealing with an image you have in your head, not with Mm -hmm. reality, right? Those are the three biggest now. Would you add anything onto that list for the big reasons why people don't before we actually set up how exactly to set these goals?
0: I think just, and we discussed it when we talked about comparison, but being really extrinsically motivated. So- A lot of people are motivated to look like someone else, motivated to have someone else's body. That Mm -hmm. is the comparison piece. If you are really driven to look a certain way or be like someone else or do something because someone else does it or do something because you think it's going to get approval from other people, that is extrinsic motivation. And that's an extrinsically based goal versus intrinsically that is coming from within. It's something You value it is something that you as an individual are doing for yourself, not for external rewards. That is something that people, I think, do a lot without even realizing it. Is yeah, like almost the ab example, like the ab example, the
1: person that just wants to look like someone else, or the person who's like, I need this is absolute proof that I'm a strong freaking person, and that's Mm -hmm. why I'm doing it. Yeah. Intrinsic yeah. versus, so most people, a big problem is it's an intrinsic. So honestly, yeah, it goes down to the vagueness of not knowing really why the intrinsic mm-hmm. versus external falls under it the life piece massively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Big
1: umbrella so. with it. So those are big. Those are big things you want to avoid. So if you catch yourself doing that, and honestly, we're going to go through next the exact five steps and specific examples of how to set these up. Mm-hmm. But it almost would make sense to beforehand audit yourself on your current goals. Are you doing any of those things that we just mentioned? Are those blatantly getting in your way of doing so? And you can take that into how to actually set goals that you will achieve. And so for premium two, we put this all on a worksheet and then some to actually fill out, which I think is valuable. If you're listening, take notes on your iPhone or iPad, whatever you're on right now, take notes. Don't just think about it and have it as as a pass, putting it down on paper or in ink or on the screen, whatever, like actually physically doing it. I think will help ingrain this into your head a little bit more. So that, that would be advice that I could give you. But I think first we have to understand different kinds of goals Yeah. as we go through mm-hmm. setting them. So what are the yeah. different kinds of goals to set or that you want to set?
0: Yeah. So the first one, and these are all important. They're all going to play a role, but their differences are going to make the biggest difference impact on your success when you really understand how they're different and what you should be striving towards at which time. So there's outcome-based goals. And this type of goal refers to the desired end result. Hmm. I want to lose 20 pounds. That's the desired end result. It is the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's not how you navigate to get to the end. And then we have our performance-based goals. So this goal identifies a specific standard to be achieved. So these standards are independent of other variables. An example I think of is increasing the weight on my deadlift by 20 pounds and then giving yourself a timeline for that. But that is the performance piece, not just I wanna get stronger, but you can actually visualize on my deadlift, I want to increase it by 20 pounds, depending on where you're at. That's just an example. And then you have your process-based goals. So this goal deals with the technique or strategy necessary to perform well. So these goals are used to improve the execution of a skill. So you may strive to run five miles without stopping. That's an example, not just I want to run five miles, but I want to be able to do it without stopping. Or you Mm -hmm. may want to increase your depth on your squat. This is all focusing mm. on the process. They focus on your individual actions, aren't dependent or connected to the performance or action of others. But in goal setting theory, according to the research, it states that the simplest and most direct motivational explanation on why some people perform better than others is because they have different performance goals. So performance goals are going to be really important. And when setting goals, you should visualize and set a desired outcome. But more importantly, you should focus on the process and your performance. So it's almost like this, what would you even call that funnel? where it's you start to get more narrow and more specific. This outcome based goal is very broad and then you want to refine it. Yeah, you refine so you, you start to decompose it and break it down doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And the refining comes from setting smart goals. So this is just an acronym, S M A R T, and the S stands for specific, so your goal should be clear and precise while also serving as a personal motivator. So we've said this so many times, you don't mm-hmm. want it to be vague. That's where that comes in it should be measurable. So it can be something that can be objectively measured so that you can accurately track your progress. You want to be able to track your progress. And we'll go into ways that you can do that in a bit here. You want it to be achievable. And I think this is something that it's clear that people really leave out a lot of the time. It should be realistic and enough to obtain, but also challenging enough to push you beyond your regular routine a little bit. It shouldn't be just easy. It should be a little bit of a challenge, but you could see yourself executing that challenge. Yeah. It should also be relevant. So it should feel important. You should value it. So that's where the mm-hmm. relevancy fits in, is it should be something that you really value, care about, and then also time-bound. So this provides a deadline and will help people stay on task and keep the outcome goal a priority, and the time bound, there's some fle- there's flexibility there, especially depending on the type of goal. So you don't always have to put this really set this many weeks and by mm. this date, but you should include a time frame that you can realistically think about. It's not like this is always going to end, but maybe this leads into an ev- a new goal. So I started to pack a healthier lunch with vegetables in it, Five days a week for four weeks, I'm consistently doing that. I don't really want to stop doing that. It's not like giving yourself a deadline to stop doing it, but now it can maybe turn into something else. Like how could we refine this a little bit? What do I want to how can I continue doing this? But maybe add on to it because it's a little bit yeah, easier.
1: It now. almost forces you to incorporate some sort of feedback. Cause once you get to that yeah. date, you'll have you'll be forced to look back at what you've done and what's worked yeah. and what's not worked.
0: Yeah. Right, it almost forces so, that. Just an example of a smart goal what would be a smart goal and what isn't just wanting to increase your strength just wanting to get, sm- stronger, want to get stronger that's not yeah yeah that's not specific enough becoming stronger may be in, an important goal to have so it could be an outcome based goal but the smart goal acronym can help define this goal so that you can take more appropriate steps to ensure your success. So a smart goal may be increasing a 10 rep maximum bench press by 10 pounds in six weeks. Again, that's very specific. I don't know who this person is. It would be specific to the person what they can realistically do to hit all those other points. Mm-hmm. But that is so much, that gives you so much more to work with than just getting stronger. So that's yeah. an example there that I think people can relate to.
1: Yeah, that's a, I think that's a super helpful acronym to help kind of mm-hmm. define everything that we've been going over is like, wait a second, we've talked about a lot Smart. We love the acronym game. We love it. So now we're going to take you through specific examples. I think this is the most important and helpful part of the show. But the five steps that we want to do to set goals that you have a high probability at succeeding. If you are just working through this in your head, pause this episode whenever you're listening to it as we go through each one. Think about it. Or take it for later. If you're in premium, you have the worksheet to fill out or write it down, whatever it is. But let's start with. Step number one.
0: Yeah. So Step number one, what do we
1: want to do before anything else?
0: This is going to be what I was just talking about. Before setting your SMART goal, you want to determine your desired outcome. Sometimes this can be looked at as the result you're trying to see. And I find it very helpful with these bigger, broader goals to create a list of what you're trying to achieve. You could just jot it down. It doesn't have to be anything really thought out, but focus on it being intrinsically motivated. So the desired outcome should be something that comes within something you value, not for external validation, not to strive to be like someone else. So keep that in the back of your head. So goals that focus on improving yourself and comes from within you. You can stem from your passion, your core values. That's what you should be focusing on. And then once you have this list, it doesn't have to be long. Take a closer look at what you're trying to achieve and ask yourself the following questions. Is this goal something you truly want? Does it align with your values and other goals in life? So I think that piece is sometimes left out. Yeah. Like what are my
1: other goals and how does it? Yeah. how How
0: does it align with that? And when you think about values, like if you really value your relationships with your family, like could this take away from that? That's just an example, but that is something to think about. Is it important enough to put the time and effort into? Is it really important enough because Mm. you're going to be putting more time and effort into it? And then you can use these questions to determine which goals or just one matter the most for you right now and focus on that. So, just some examples I jotted down, and there's no really right way to do this part here. It's just a brain dump, but you want to lose weight so you can play with your kids and have more energy. You want to eat healthier because you have to improve your cholesterol levels by your next checkup. You want to eat more vegetables. Because you're feeling more lethargic throughout the day. Again, these are, these are pretty broad. Like I just want to eat more vegetables. Yeah, this is where I you want can start...
1: start a little more vague. Start a little yes. more vague before you dive into it
0: mm-hmm. is step number one. Yeah, I want to start meditating to decrease my anxiety. Again, it's not very specific, but you have a place to work with. So Yeah,
1: you have a North Star at least, mm-hmm. like something to aim yep. at. Because I think it's, it's sometimes it's almost intimidating to be like, oh crap, I got to be so specific. It's like start 30,000 feet up, like start big. Mm-hmm. I want my relationship to improve. I want to be happier in my relationship. I want to be more fulfilled at work. Like it yeah. can be so freaking vague before you start to say, okay, what does this start to look like? Mm-hmm. This is where That'd you be- almost start big.
0: And I did put in here, I want you guys to notice how all the examples I included do have some sort of why. It's nothing long. It's nothing drawn out, but you can see the why. It's still it's a broad goal, but there's still a why in there. There's still some connection, some reason. Like I want to play with my kids. I know I have to get my cholesterol levels down. I know my, I want to decrease my anxiety. Like it's not just stops at, I want to eat more vegetables. You, you have a little piece of the why in there. So.
1: Yeah. The why is important. I think that the next big piece that we have on the worksheet, but that most people might forego is really comparing them to their other goals and value. And this is something that I know I got uncomfortable with when I first did this long, long, long time ago is when you start to get really specific and set one very intentional goal, you you compare them to your others and you start to realize that maybe none of your goals were set intentionally or with values or with all these other things. So it almost starts to disintegrate other goals that you thought were important before, but maybe you're realizing now aren't that important. So it can be a little scary because it kind of shakes your foundation or it can, maybe you're not this person, but it could shake your foundation a little bit, but it's not a bad thing. Like you got to do this to get to the next step. So first is to choose the north star right? That's step number one. Now, step number two, there's no order of importance. You need every single one of these steps to get there. So after you set the North star, a little more vague, but you understand why it aligns with your value. You know that this is something that you do value. Step number two is to decompose that goal so you can set micro processes to get there. What are you doing on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis to get there? Because we know any, any meaningful goal usually is going to take not days to weeks, but weeks to months to years to get to, especially if we're talking about fitness, right? You're not going to see progress by the end of the month, like meaningful progress. It's going to take you months, if not years to get there. So this is where you break down the larger goal into smaller, actionable steps. I think this is where like the specificity really matters because it gives you the confidence that you need. You know what you need to be doing, right? So this makes the goal more manageable. It provides a clear roadmap. Think of it, that plan A, that perfect roadmap to get there. So it's simple. Then you just identify what actions or tasks need to be completed daily, weekly, and monthly to get there. So a good example of this is maybe my North star is I want to run a marathon in 12 months for a cause that I care about, right? I want to run a marathon in 12 months. Okay. If we know that's the goal that we're aiming at, let's break that down. That's 12 months. So what if we look at it from like a month to month basis? What do I need to be doing? Okay. If we can split the year up into maybe quarters, Maybe first I need to start building a base of shorter runs to just gradually increase my endurance from where it's at, it sucks. So step number one, I don't need to be worried about running a marathon. I need to worry about building my endurance so it's not crap, right? Then next phase a few months later, start practicing more race-specific, longer runs, like tempo runs or hill repeats, right? More race-specific to get you more prep there once you've built the foundation. Then maybe third phase you can break it down to is, okay, once I can do that, I'm going to start working my way up to actual long distance runs so instead of going is a marathon 26
0: yeah give or take a little bit
1: (laughs) yeah up there then okay start increasing your distance to some real distance runs where you test this out a few times a month 10 miles 15 miles 20 miles 25 miles right really start testing the distance aspect and then the final step is once you know you can do that is that's when you start actually prepping for the race you start to shorten your runs look at recovery and actually plan The few months leading up to it. Okay, that's on a month to month basis. Okay, that's what I need to be doing there. What do I need to do on a week to week basis? Refine, decompose. Where this is where maybe you could start aiming at a goal like, okay, for the first little quarter, I'm going to work on increasing my weekly run distance by 5% each week. So if I can run four times a week, I can run a mile at a time to start. That's four miles in a week. Next week, I'm going to try to run for five miles across the week. And then Increase that by 5%. Just keep going and going and going, just increasing gradually. And this is where you can look at, okay, what does my week want to look like? Uh, I probably need three rest days. I want to add in a cross training day with some weights, things that matter to that goal, right? Then that's easy. Once you know what you're doing on a month to month and a week to week, you can start to design and say, okay, what does the perfect day look like? You'll have a specific exercise goal that's already put into place. You know, you're doing this run on Monday because it's part of the week to week, which is part of the month to month. Right. And then you can start to focus on, okay, what does my nutrition need to look like today? My hydration, my sleep, my mindset. Those are the day-to-day things you can start really refining. So you just decompose, decompose, decompose where you started with this kind of bigger, more vague goal of running a marathon a year from now. But now you know exactly what you need to do today or tomorrow to get there a, a year from now. Because mm-hmm. so many people can set something that's far off in the future, but they don't take the time to really think, okay, what does that mean I need to do today to get there? Yeah. Because it's different than what you're going to be doing in a few months, a few years, whatever it might be. So step number two is to decompose. So you can actually set the micro processes to get you there. Like the systems in place that'll get you there. That's yeah. big.
0: And I think step number three is going to happen at points when you're doing step number two. I think they can blend. You'll see them blend together. But as long as you're really aware of this piece, it's going to be important is deciding what you're going to use to measure progress. So. All SMART goals must be measurable. We talked about that before. Or else you won't know whether or not you're making progress towards them. Are you being successful? Do you have something to look back on to know whether or not you've done that? So this can be things you can measure are your workouts per week, your days you hit your protein or calorie intake, your weight, progress photos, biofeedback like your hunger cues, your sleep, energy, fatigue throughout the day. And you can monitor that by sending yourself doing a simple like Google form that you could check off at the end of the day to Yeah. We just made that what,
1: like a a month ago for premium, we sent out like what we use for clients most of the time on the Mm -hmm. biofeedback. So like, how do I track that stuff? Simple. Yeah. Give yourself a a place to do that.
0: Yeah. And and an example is, and this is more of a simple example, but if you are trying to eat more vegetables, the broader goal may be to be healthy and then you're going to narrow it down. Okay. I want to eat more veggies. You can give yourself a number of servings that you're aiming to eat each day and how many days a week you think you can be successful in doing so. So an example would be eat three servings of vegetables five days per week. All right, we're going to get chronometer so I can track that or my fitness pal so I can track that on a day-to-day basis, can reflect each week, see how I'm successful and make adjustments if need be, kind of reflect on maybe why I didn't do this on this day. And it Gives you something to work with. It gives you something to look back on, versus just holding yourself. I'm just going to hold myself accountable. I want to eat healthier, so I'm going to get a salad. I know I'm just going to choose the healthier option. No, you're not. A lot of the times, you're not. Yeah, be um, real. You're not. You're not
1: that great. You're not going to do it.
0: If you if you have something in front of you that shows you whether or not you did this, it's going to be helpful and it's going to hold you a bit more accountable. And it's also going to allow you to see your progress in actually meeting this goal that you set.
1: Yeah. The visual aspect's huge. I know we, we talked about this a long time ago, but something that really helped me before I had like apps or anything like, cause I know like if you're working with a coach apps usually do this for you, but one thing you can do is look at like January or December, whatever month you're in and just print out two to three Blake calendar pieces for January, whatever it is and keep them by your bed. Keep a red marker. That's what I like to do. And let's say you have a protein goal, right? I have a protein goal of 130 grams per day. It's as simple as this, as you're going to bed that night, cross off the days that you got to your goal, not close to, not almost, got to 130 grams, cross it off with a red X and go to bed. Same thing if you're trying to do four workouts a week, put a red X on the calendar each day that you worked out that week. At the end of the month, you can pull those back because we know we all have a big bias. We always think that we did better or perform better than we actually did Mm -hmm. in reality. That's a cognitive bias that every single person struggles with. And something that highlighted when I went out to Atlanta to open up and help manage an orange theory fitness, that was my favorite thing in the world to do is because it tracks when people check into the gym to go work out. And you ask people how often they thought they worked out in the last month. How many workouts did you get last month? Oh, well, I, you know, I'm, I think I go like four times a week. So I think, you know, four weeks in a month, there should be 16 workouts. It's like they got nine or they got seven. Yeah. Like you, it, what you plan on doing is usually what you think you remember doing. But if you do that, then it's super easy because we're going to go into the next, big section of feedback and adaptability, that's one of the easiest ways you could do it. Get a red marker, Mm -hmm. whatever your goal is for that day, if it's a calorie goal, a protein goal, a workout goal, a habit goal. Just cross it off with a red X, no good or bad, but then at the end of the month, you'll see, okay, how, how consistent was I really like, is this the problem or not? And I think that kind of leads us into step number four, right? So once you know what you're going to be measuring for progress, (laughs) step number four is big. I don't want to say more important, less important. But I think 90, 95% of people who don't work with a coach don't do this. And it's something you can do on your own, but it's hard. And this, I think, will separate a lot of winners from losers. Step number four is to intentionally incorporate feedback and adaptability. Okay. Regularly assess your progress and be open to making changes based on what is or isn't working. Okay. Again, this is one thing that, being a coach, we know we do this on a week to week, month to month basis. We're reviewing what we've done in the past week, what's working, what's not, what we need to adapt. You can do this for yourself. It's hard. Not a lot of people want to do it, but here's a real world example. Legit, take out Gcal or Apple calendar, whatever you use right now, schedule it, schedule periodic reviews for your progress and whatever goal you're working towards every Sunday, the first or last Sunday of the month. I do it for myself every single Friday for 30 minutes. It's the last meeting I have of the week. Before I'm allowed to check out and go do whatever I have on my weekend plans, I have to do that. It's scheduled at four thirty every single Friday, right? So if plans pop up, oh, you want to do? We want to hit this up at four forty-five. I'm busy until five. I can do it right after. Schedule mm-hmm. it, like, and make it, and almost honestly treat it like because I treat it like it's a it's a client on my calendar. If someone something else comes up, I'm sorry, I'm busy. Like treat yeah. it like it's someone that you cannot cancel on or anything like that, right? So look at everything you set up to measure your wins, how many workouts you completed, how many days you hit your diet, whatever it is on the, on the calendar, if you do that or an app, whatever, see what you did well at and see what you didn't. And I think here's the important piece I want to add to this is don't just see what you did well at and what you didn't, but ask yourself why you didn't do well at the things you didn't do well at. And I've talked to a lot of people coming in when I ask about past coaching experiences, things like that is a lot of the time it, it was almost like a punishment, like you didn't work out. Oh. It's because you're not disciplined, like you're not motivated. Do better next week. It was a bad thing to fail. And like we've talked about here before, failing is a good thing. It's, a fun, it's the best thing you could possibly do if you actually want to get there, if you know how to do it. So ask yourself why you didn't do well at something. Was it because of something maybe completely out of your control? Like you had an unexpected funeral that you had to travel home, so you had to miss a few workouts. That's understandable. And next week, you know that won't happen because it was so out of the blue, it won't happen again right? Or was it because of something that you didn't plan for that wasn't a part of your plan B or sorry, plan A, right? So now, you know, you have a clear image of what that plan looks like. So you can plan for it. Maybe you misjudged how big of a time commitment your team meetings at work would be on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So that bled into your time in the gym after work, causing you to miss those workouts. Maybe that was your goal is to work out five days after work each week, right? So that's not a discipline thing. That's just new information that we didn't have before. And you can now adjust your plan so you don't miss it again. So maybe on Tuesdays, Thursdays, you say, okay, maybe I'll work out before work on Tuesdays, Thursdays, instead of after, because I know that won't interrupt me then. Or maybe on Tuesdays and Thursdays, those would be better days to take as my rest days. And I'll work out on the weekends instead. If you ask yourself why, you can then actually adapt and change your plan instead of being like, oh, I missed my workouts again because I'm a piece of crap and because I'm not disciplined. But maybe it was out of like lack of discipline. That's totally... A thing too but you can plan to change that the next week or the next month but you need to schedule those in because i rarely see people follow through with it if they
0: don't yeah and there's just the there's this voice in my head saying i have to voice this because i know that there are some people that may think that this is like this is crazy like all the hoops you have to jump through to do this or this takes so much time and at the end of the day what we mentioned earlier like this has to be something extremely important to you like don't forget that because if that's not there that just goes to show how difficult all of this is going to seem it's sure. going to seem because the more detached you are from it in terms from a values standpoint and what you care about and what you really want for yourself the more unrealistic what we've been talking about is going to seem and i don't want people to forget that's important to remind yourself because if this seems insane and this just seems like something you're never going to be able to do for yourself or never going to be able to want to do you need to go back to to stage 1 and and figure out if this goal is actually something that aligns with your your values and your beliefs and you actually think you could do and there's nothing wrong with if you get to this point and you you don't see like you can hold yourself accountable and you and you don't feel like you are going to be able to adjust and give yourself that time to reflect and be able to measure your success. Go back to square one. It's not a sign that you, you can't have goals. It's just a sign that maybe this goal isn't right for you. I don't know why I feel like I had to voice that, but I know no, that it's there's important has people that think that.
1: Yeah. You might think you have a valuable goal, but then if all of this seems so hard, it's like really think about this is, we're talking about what, maybe 20, 30 minutes a week that go into this. Yeah. If this seems like that hard, it's like maybe the goal you have doesn't really mean much to you. Not a bad yeah. thing, but maybe, maybe you maybe I pick the right one. That's a huge point. Now, steps one through four, I would honestly deem as mandatory. Like if you really want to be serious about achieving a goal, you're going to have to have these four steps involved or at least something that is step adjacent to these. The fifth one, I would say is arguably as important, but not necessary. Necessary, necessary. And that is looking at your environment and setting up accountability systems. I'm not saying an accountability partner, but accountability systems. Oftentimes, goal-oriented people fail because they will focus only on the end goal rather than the systems or environment that facilitate the achievement of those goals. Okay, If you are super goal-oriented, that's phenomenal. You can still fail If your environment is working against you, it's swimming up or downstream, okay? It's either pulling Mm -hmm. you towards your goal, making it easier, effortless, making motivation a thing you don't have to worry about, or it's actively pushing you away from it. It's swimming upstream where just even moving a step forward is exhausting, okay? One of my favorite quotes even about this, because I've seen so many people succeed by just changing their environment, not their goals, not their attitude, not anything. I think the quote goes, when a flower doesn't bloom, you don't try and fix the flower you fix the environment that it's growing in. And I think that speaks volumes. And obviously it's a flower. You're a person, you're a little bit more complex, but that matters a lot to you. And when we're talking about your environment, this is a lot. It's who you spend time with. And I have some, some practical tips because this is something that I really struggled with. And I wanted to make available to other people that were, is by looking like, are your friends, your family, your people you're spending time with, are they encouraging you? Do they accept your goals? Is it an open space or are they people that cause, Anxiety, belittle or denounce your goals, or just really get in the way from them. Cause that's something I struggled with a lot. And another piece of your environment, your face just lit up. What's that?
0: Yeah, because I just thought of, I just, I just have to mention it. This is a specific goal, but if you are trying to lose weight and that is something you have set your course on and you're sticking to, and you feel embarrassed about talking about that with someone, I know there's the greater societal. Issues with that, but with your family and your friends, and you feel embarrassed Mm. to maybe deny a dessert because, oh, I'm actually like working on losing weight right now. No, you don't have to explain yourself. But even if you feel like you can't, if you feel shame, if someone, and this goes for any goal, but I don't know why I just thought about that because it's so common. Like, this is so common for people to feel like they can't talk about their weight loss journey or feel like it's something that's an that, any goal.
1: Like I, yeah, I've never thought about that, but that is a clear way of telling like, who are you spending time around? Like, are they, are they helping you? And I'm going to talk about cause so many people are like, cut out all the negative people in your life. It's like, that is so much easier no. said than done. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, I'm going to cut off my mom and dad. No.
0: Yeah. It,
1: or, or whatever it is, like a close friend of 10 years. Yeah. I have some practical advice for that after we round these up, but that's, that's a huge, I think a perfect question to ask yourself to determine whether or not someone's helping or not. I was like, do I feel embarrassed that I really got to hold back about talking about a goal? Yeah, That's huge. Because people
0: are weird about you wanting to, others wanting to better themselves, especially because, I mean, what do people do so commonly? They project their own insecurities. And especially if you're actually doing things that show that you are working on bettering yourself in any way, that can sometimes bring out people's worst side. And you can kind of see who's a true friend and who isn't and who Absolutely. displays curious behavior about that. So I just, yeah, cause
1: not up. even just like who you spend time with, but that's even like your physical environment being clean or disorganized or the cultural yeah. environment. I think that's where, what you just said strikes with me is like the, I would almost put it as like a cultural environment, right? Either the culture as a whole is like inclusive, it celebrates, it pushes towards certain goals, or is it a place that incentivizes you to stay how you are? And I didn't quite realize that because I started my business in Atlanta. And when I started, I quit my corporate job at a gym. I started bartending for the next year. So I'd have stable income and I could work late night hours to pay the bills, pay rent, pay what I needed to, as I could actually grow the business how I wanted it to for a year. And I didn't realize how much the culture impacted my growth until I moved to San Diego, which in hindsight, looking back, was probably not the smartest thing to do financially at the time. Uh, But when I was working as a bartender, in Atlanta, and this is, Atlanta is one of my favorite cities of all time, so I'm not talking it down and I know there's good pockets everywhere, but the circle or culture that I was in, especially being a bartender, if you've ever worked in that industry, and I've got some of my best friends are bartenders, so this is not talking or taking away anything there, but the culture was staying up super late until like midnight, one in the morning, every night. So okay, not really prioritizing sleep. Very high stress environment, not a bad thing either. It actually taught me a lot. These people also, though, they loved alcohol. I didn't love alcohol as much. Mm -hmm. So it would be midnight, one o'clock on a Tuesday or Wednesday. And for the culture of the people I was around, it's like, all right, let's go get some drinks. Let's do this. It's like, bro, it's one o'clock on a Tuesday. Like I need to go to freaking bed because I got to wake up at six to go work out, whatever. It was surrounded by people that didn't really value that. And I noticed as I would bring up, I really couldn't bring up my business or my goals with it at work because it would always be taken as a joke. And this is something that if you're listening to this. this happens with your family, it's whatever. Like when I was growing my business, it would be such a massive win. Let's say I got my first client that I had never known before, right? That was a huge step for me is not getting a client that I met at a gym before, but just met online that lives in a different state that I've never been connected with before. It was massive to me that I got my first client like that. I was ecstatic, like over the freaking Mm -hmm. moon. And I would tell someone and it's like to them, it's obviously they're just, it's no problem because they're seeing it as objectively. If you're comparing it to like a big company, Oh, you got one client? Like Lottie frickin' da, right? It's a joke. Yeah. But to you, that's crushing when you're actually doing it. And I didn't notice that until I moved to a city like San Diego, which at the time I didn't realize how entrepreneurial it was, how positive it was. Like people, I think, lump San Diego and LA together. I, I hate LA with a burning passion. San Diego, it's just so like cultured, non-political, entrepreneurial. Like these people really work hard. It's a very expensive place to live. You have to work hard. So everyone around you is working hard. Everyone around you also values work-life balance. So it's like they want to help you get to other places. People are so helpful here. No matter how yeah. big or small your goal is, people want to help you get there. And that just wasn't a thing in the culture that was surrounding me in Atlanta. And it, I, I can't even imagine the growth I could have had if I started here versus there. Yeah.
0: But and you're it's always going to find it would have been something else because absolutely, that's that's everywhere. I feel like. And especially, I mean, I noticed the first time I really think about that when it really hit me hard of like, who am I surrounding myself with? When I really thought about like, should I be sharing this? Like, is this, am I, I'm embarrassed right now. Like, why did I even bring this up type of thing is when I was first, like when I quit my job and I started working for myself and I was so excited that I was able to pay all of my bills on my own, which I had been doing for so long with sport of a business, like a company that I worked with, but yeah. like I did it and had money left over. Like it wasn't just paycheck to paycheck. It's like I had money left over and I was so excited and so proud I, of myself. I know where this and is going because
1: I remember this moment. Keep going. I, freaking I love this part.
0: But now I'm scared. <laughs> no, because I remember you
1: yeah. telling me this when you actually would bring this up with your friends. Oh yeah. Right. And yeah, how it, it was taken. And I, I the only reason I love it, because i re- that was not a good thing. It it felt probably super shitty. But because yeah. I remember doing the same thing and you're like, like the most it, meaningful thing in the world. Keep going. And it was
0: just kind of when I was like talking about it, it was more so this just people are like, Well, duh. What do you mean? Like we it, it was more so this kind of like, okay, well, you paid your bills, whoop-de-doo. Like we all yeah, have to la-di-da. do that. And then went on to the, I just got a promotion. I am creating all these Airbnbs. Like it started the conversation of, well, this is what I'm doing. Like yeah.
1: you did that. Here's what I did better.
0: If you, I was talking with a family member about it. It was, well, if you were still working for a company, this wouldn't even be something you were worried about in the first place. I'm like, you are so missing the point. No, I'm happy that that was my worry. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. What are you going to do for healthcare? Oh my God, you got to pay. Oh my God, you're not covered. It's it's always like what's missing, what's missing, which is huge. But honestly, if you're in a culture, it's really hard to find. And that's where I'm going to go into like how I did it that maybe could help somebody in a minute. But you don't really realize how massive of a difference that can make if when you celebrate something even small, but it means a lot to you. And it is like people approach it with genuine curiosity and are like, that is so freaking cool. How did this work? What did you do? Oh, that's awesome!" Like, Oh my God, does it lift you to another freaking planet, but that's part of your environment. And yeah. this is something that usually takes time to shift, but not even just who you spend time with, where it is, but like, what do you consume through the day? Is it being, is it educational resources, people reaching you higher? Is it podcast books, online courses, or is it overexposure to social media that just makes you feel burnt out? It distracts you. It's at your emotional environment where you might feel like there is no open communication that you can share anything about you, how you feel, right? You got to ignore it, push it down. And that just builds up on mental stress that you have to hold on a daily basis. Your work yeah. environment, is there growth opportunities? Does it value your input as an employee? Does it maintain a healthy work-life balance or is it high pressure? Is it unrealistic expectations, a lack of recognition? Look at every little aspect of your environment. You, don't, you can't change everything at once. You can't, mm-hmm. there's too much, but start to pay attention and see where you can make those changes because your environment systems in place like that's, I don't want to say that will make or break you because you can get from point A to point B, whatever your goal without a good environment, but your odds of success, I would say just skyrocket if your environment's helping you.
0: Yeah. You brought up the social media environment like really briefly. And I just want to, this might be a bit specific, but don't discount that. I wish more people, every time someone comments on are on one of my posts, or will DM Tony and I and say, "I watch you guys. I'm this many pounds down." Or someone makes my recipe and it's been so much easier for them to make vegetables. Mm-hmm. Like I respond to all of those, and I am so proud of you. Like I am so proud of you, and I'm so excited for you. Like I, I don't, I've we've never met before. I don't know you. I am so genuinely proud, and I make sure that I respond because one, you're making yourself vulnerable in the first place by DMing Tony and I or A total stranger, and- yeah. Yeah. And we respond, we make sure we do. And there are a lot, there are definitely people like that in the health and fitness space that like encourage that community on their page, find those people because it's sometimes really hard and life can be very isolating when you graduate college, you're in your mid, late twenties, early thirties. It's hard to find that community. You th- that community is online again. It's not the same, but you can find that. Look for it. Look for people that encourage you to feel like you're comfortable sharing. To feel like you know they're going to celebrate your success if you take their advice or anything. Don't underestimate that because it can be really hard to find that community depending on your situation yeah. um, as you get older.
1: Because what's the the saying of like you are the average of the the five people you spend the most time with, and I think especially now mm-hmm. today you're spending time with less outside people, but it's really what you consume. You're the average of what you consume. So on social media, Mm -hmm. if it's just the latest gossip politics trends, it's like I I would predict that nine times out of 10, that person's going to be pretty unhappy Mm -hmm. most of the time, whereas it's uplifting you. And I think the the hardest thing for me to grasp that I did want to touch on is saying that you need to surround yourself with like high valued individuals. Honestly, is one of the easiest things to say. One of the hardest things to do. And it it, it was when I looked back at it, and this was a really hard part is if you find yourself, you have a negative environment with the people you're around, your family, your close friends, whatever it is. If you really realize you like take a minute to sit back and think about it and you're like, these people are really not supporting where I want to go in my life. Like they're actively preventing me from getting somewhere. That's a scary thought to have because you're like, I can't just cut these people out. That's an easy thought to have, but it's not easy to do. So once you assess your relationships, like one, I think decide, Which ones actually need to be cut off? Like which ones are very toxic to what you're doing, Mm -hmm. actively preventing it? Which ones maybe just need better boundaries? Like maybe you just need to set better boundaries with some. My parents was a big one. Love them to death. They were actively kind of, and they supported me and did a lot of different things. They never shot down my ideas, but they weren't super supportive in them. But I just needed to set different boundaries. And then notice which ones, if you're lucky enough, are actively helping you. And then you can at least, I think the goal is not to cut them out, but just gradually reduce your contact with the negative people, right? You don't need to say I'm never talking again, but if you spend five days a week with a friend who's just super negative, doing drugs, drinking, not the direction you want to go, start hanging out with them a couple of times, maybe not five days a week, then two or three, then one or two, gradually increase distance. And then here's the hardest part, I think, and I haven't communicated this or found a great way to communicate this, but one, you have to, while you're doing this, actively seek out. New relationships and making friends can be stupid hard. Honestly, I, it's. Do you
0: have advice for me? Because I don't know how to do it. Because
1: I've seen a lot of people <laughs> who, when your goal is making friends, here's what I've noticed. When your goal is making friends or for me, it never works. If the goal and intent is, I need to find a friend, I need to find a friend. There's too much yeah. pressure. It's not going to work. At least that I've seen. It can, not for me. I find it best through like, well, this is like the cheesy advice before I get into, I think what really matters in it is I, I've noticed that most good friends, like deep friendships I've had, have were first people who I was not trying to be friends with, people I worked with, that I just was spending a lot of time around, like shadowing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My best friend, my ride or die, the dude who, I, Blake, if I called him right now, I'd be like, hey, I need you. He'd be like, be there in 10 minutes. He'd like cancel a, a meeting with a CEO and be like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. The most meaningful relationship, him, is because we worked together at the gym out in Atlanta. We mm-hmm. weren't even friends for the first few months. We just became friends because we spent so much time together. People at your gym. That's why I like, honestly, I think sometimes it's, worth going to a more expensive gym because those people are probably higher value people sometimes. And if you go every single day, like I go in the mornings, 5 30, guess who I see? The same exact people, disciplined, motivated, hardworking people. They're not super talkative, but once in a while you just bump into them, you start to recognize each other, you start a conversation. Now I'm really good friends with a few people that I met just going there. Not because I was trying to pick people out, but just doing it. But I think the big the thing that sucks is if you want to spend time with high value People, like I used to and I, I used to think over this so so much. I'm like, how do I surround myself? Where are these people? Like, where are these high value people? How do I find them? It wasn't until I realized that high-value people spend time with other high value people. Like they just have high value people in their life. So once I started focusing on just becoming a high-valued person, reading, watching lectures online, taking free courses, practice, just getting better at things that I thought were that I really valued, taking my health and fitness more seriously. Over time, those people just find you. If you're worth something, if you're valuable, people will seek you out. Like you, It's not something you can bank on, but people will seek you out. Now the thing that sucks is there's going to be a period of time that just sucks where you have kind of outgrown your current relationships, your current friends, your family, whoever you're spending time with, but you haven't quite grown to the value of people that you want to spend time with, so you're kind of like stuck in limbo, like this middle section and it's lonely and it sucks. Hmm. But I think like the thing, that's just something I've never seen not happen in getting oh from point A to point B. Like You have to have a period where it just sucks and you're alone. Just know if you're there, I know I was, it sucks and you doubt yourself and it's just a terrible place to be. But if you just focus on personal growth and then like just realize it's a mandatory step, you will not find high value people if you don't go through that limbo step where you are lonely as hell. You don't have hardly any friends. Like that, And that gave me a little comfort. It's like, oh, I can't get to where I want to be without it.
0: Yeah. You're but calling me out right now. I feel like every uh, every time I'm in therapy, that's like still for the past like year and a half or so, that's been my biggest issue is I'm so struggling with making friends. And I know part of it is because like people move, people get new jobs. Like my closest friends here all moved a little over a year ago. And my closest friends, I had three really close girlfriends. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. But okay, they're gone now. And my ride or die friend, I I met at grad school. We sat next to each other at orientation, ended up being my best friend. Like my other friend, we met through a mutual friend who I really cared about and really trusted. And it was a time that was more social for me. I was still in college and it's now one, I don't go to work. I work for myself. I work alone. Tony, I interact with Tony the most every week. Yeah. And we were
1: yeah, same. Yeah, like just in the computer uh, <laughs> silent all yeah.
0: Day. And it's like I live with my boyfriend <laughs> and <sighs> that's great. He's like my best friend right now. But I am so struggling with this like loneliness and I fill that with focusing on myself, do things that mm. bring me joy, but I'm also an introvert. And I also don't mm. drink much. So I don't want to go out like the social settings in your twenties. Yeah,
1: like, it's like go drinking. I'm with you.
0: What it's- is there? That has been my biggest issue is what is there for me to do if I don't want to drink? What the heck? So I've had to get really creative and I'm not the most creative because I'm an introvert and I don't want this big social circle. I'm talking about like I'm trying to make two close friends who have shared value. So I joined a book club and I'm starting to make more friends there. So it's really like focusing yeah. on like are there little things you could do in gym? I've started in gym, at the gym. At I've gym. started making myself – I have a resting bitch face when I work out and often, and I've just started to try to make myself a little bit more approachable and not look like, don't fucking talk to me. I don't want to talk to yeah. anyone. And I've had more conversations at the gym. I haven't found like a best friend yet, but it's little things and it's so fucking hard. And especially if you have, like, I know myself, I know what I want. I know what I am. I'm striving for, but I care about who I want to surround myself with. That makes it a million times harder. Making up, friends but- and things <laughs> like
1: that. Well, cause it's like friends that support your environment. Cause you could go yeah. Fake- drinking and being in those social situations but i'm guessing most of the time the people that you meet doing things that you don't really value probably aren't going to be those like deep relationships that you feel like you can share everything with that you can do everything with it'd be the people that you actually meet doing things that you enjoy doing and it's hard and it takes freaking time and that's the most annoying thing at least in my brain i was like this is so freaking dumb i'm like why can't i just like this is so stupid Like I know there's like Bumble BFF, there's apps, things like that, but it's like that never. I'm not going to do that.
0: I would never put, no. And that's also my issue is like, I'm never putting myself in a position where I'm going to like try, like try to make it like something that is forced.
1: Yeah. It's it's a a great idea, idea. but it is forced. It's a great idea, but I feel like it'd take a lot of effort. Like I've met people who swear, like have met one of their good friends through it, but they're like, yeah, I went through about 150 people that i did not like at all before I met my BFF or whatever it might be, but that's honestly. I did that
0: with hinge. I don't need to do.
1: Yeah. It's another. I'm
0: the not there. That, it's another
1: avenue, but got. having a supportive <laughs> environment end of the day, like it's going to either press you and like, like just pretty much like try to surround yourself with the people and the resources that align and support your objectives. And you will notice mm-hmm. the likelihood that you get there is so much higher. I think that's a good place to. Yo, I just went on off on a one. tangent there. I'm sorry. Put a cap on this. This is a long one, but that's right. Like it's, I knew it was going to be a long episode because as I was writing this through, I'm like, this really is the most important topic I think we've covered. It's, it's yeah. before you get to the starting line. It's like, I will predict if you will fail or if you like, if you're going to win or lose that race is if you've done something like this, I knew it was important, but hopefully we broke it down in a way that makes sense. So shoot us a DM. If you got questions, if you got this for FS premium members, again, $5 a month Sign ups in the show notes below for all y'all, we're going to release that this Friday, the worksheet that you can actually have download work on, put on your phone so you can take the time to think about it. But, And then quick heads up, we release every single Monday. Next Monday is Christmas. So we're not going to have an episode. We skip one episode every single year and that is the Christmas to New Year's break. And we're going to be back. The Disney writers could not write a perfect story like this. Our hundredth episode. F.S. Pod is going to be the first episode we come out in the new year. So follow us on Spotify. Don't freaking miss it. (laughs) And we'll see y'all there. I'm excited. I hope you get everything you asked for from Santa Claus and you don't get cold.